Welcome to a new episode of the XR Magazine podcast. My name is Diana Olenik, your host, and today we're going to be speaking with Kira Benzing, the founder of Double Eye Studios. So Double Eye Studios is an award-winning XR studio that is known for its groundbreaking work in interactive storytelling and live virtual reality arts. They are the founders of the Virtual Repertory Theater and have led some of the world's first live hybrid and virtual theater productions. Their productions are grounded in the design principles of embodiment, interactivity, branching narratives, and complex character development with a focus on collaboration and connection. The double I team pulls from a variety of specialized skill sets, including live theater, AR, VR, UX design, 360 film production, full post-production, software development, and game design. But the most exciting thing, in my opinion, is that it was founded in 2009 by Kira Benzing, and she really makes sure that it is a inclusive studio but she really supports women owned businesses so in double i studios they ensure that many departments are held by women as well as mentoring women to grow new skill sets on their productions kira benzing is a multidimensional director crossing the mediums of theater hybrid cinema and virtual reality she is the founder of Double Eye Studios, which specializes in VR theater, live events, and virtual production. And VR Credits and Select Awards that they have received are Skits and Giggles, Finding Pandora X, which is the winner of the best VR immersive user experience in the Venice Film Festival 2020, Love Seed, Running, Starring, Reggie Watts, and Cardboard City between others. So... It's very exciting and uh, we're going to be discussing amazing, amazing topics here. Get ready and let's do it. Thank you so much, Kira, for being here today. I am super exciting. How is everything going today for you? It's going well. I've been in and out of VR a few times today, uh, working, uh, you know, getting to see some of the new things that we're building. So always in a creative process and flow. It's a good day. Yes, that's amazing. That's such a nice profession to be in when somebody has so much passion and is doing exactly what, what you love. So in that note, actually, please let us know how were your beginnings? We're very interested to know how did you create it, all of the stuff that you've been creating, but from your own background. Excellent. Well, everyone's got a different journey that comes to the XR and metaverse medium. And I think that uh, anyone's profession is a perfect fit to take you in because it's exciting when we come from different backgrounds. So I had a background coming from live theater and performance and directing and working in film. And I took all of those passions together and started a profession in the XR medium. So that was you know, my journey led me, and I think all of our journeys take us here in different ways. And for me, back in 2013, I was exploring new media and new storytelling formats. And I started writing for AR and VR without knowing that the technology existed and was as far along as it was. And so my first production was in 2015, but I had been writing for it 
and brainstorming for it previously. I have outlines and treatments that I was so excited about how I could think about breaking the fourth wall and working with an audience in an interactive way and and thinking about someone playing through a narrative as a kind of player and participant in the story. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Thank you so much for specifying exactly on, on your transition from the traditional media to these new uh, tools that are available. So in terms of storytelling, when you mentioned that, I wonder, where did you get your inspiration from? Because from what you just said, it sounds like you actually write the stories as well yourself. I write some of them. Um, I've been fortunate enough to have a great collaborator, Alyssa Landry, start working with me uh, going back to 2015. She became our narrative director and started working with us on more complex stories. But um, often either Alyssa and I come up with an idea together or I take an idea to Alyssa and I say, how can we play with the format? How can we create something new? How can we test out a new idea and experiment in XR? And so we've done things from creating um, Cardboard City was my very first production, was it, which was stop motion in 360 VR, which won the Samsung Gear VR contest. And then I went on to create a more interactive piece from there. And that led us down a path of experimenting with live performers in a piece we were working on called Metropoles that started to work with a live improviser and dancers and audience members coming through in a multiplayer format and creating a new world. And that piece was built around the theme of gentrification. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. For most of us, these topics are very, very new. And we wonder how is all the background of these incredible experiences built, right? So when you mentioned there that you were you know, at the beginning working with all of these technologies, what were the main challenges at that time and how they are different right now? What are the new challenges? There's there's new ones. They They surprise us, right? I think that what's exciting about this field is that it isn't defined yet. We are creating the definitions. We are writing the new storytelling rules where the, the tech is constantly changing. We might use one format and one system in one year, and then the next year it's a new format, which means we have to make a new process and come up with new rules and a new pipeline of how to get from point A to point Z. So I think it's been very exciting for us, and we sort of look at that iterative process with a lot of joy and go, okay, what are we learning this coming year? Because we know that the tech will change. So back when we started our journey in 2015, we were working with um, 3D printed camera rigs. Um, then we were able eventually to find a camera rig. We were plugging in 360 cameras. We were working with Unity as a game engine, which we thought was really, um, you know, gave us a lot of possibilities. It, it felt like a really early and easy entry point for us to start to figure out how to lay out a 360 world and then begin to build in interactivity and game mechanics into that user journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The use of Unity is I've heard that as a tool, it might allow the user to have or the or the creator, the developer to have a little bit of a of an easier entrance to, to use to use the tool. But are you currently using Unreal Engine or what would be the differences that you see there? Because I've also seen a lot of uh filming, like in the filming industry and also incorporating this VR, et cetera, using Unreal Engine. 
All of these tools are so accessible. They have incredible programs, I think, for creators and developers. You don't have to have a technical background to get started. I think it's really amazing at the way that these mediums are evolving and the way that these game engines are trying to uh, create courses and possibilities for people to get started and create toolkits that allow for plugins and things that you can use that make your, your journey a little bit easier. Often we're building some type of tool from the scratch to work within uh, within what we're creating. And a lot of our work has evolved into social VR, which uh, on the back end of the platforms tends to be Unity as a game engine, something mm -hmm. that's di sometimes that's different and it's more customized to the actual platform that we're working with. But our journey sort of started with Unity and then took us into these platforms that work with Unity, but then also have their own um, additional tools on top of that. Yeah, thank you so much. Because mostly of the audience might be new to this area and they are learning and navigating through, through the field. I wonder how um, is your general pipeline or workflow process for the creation of something um, in live theater, for example? Absolutely. We have two main pipelines. So if we're running a sort of 360 production or a live social VR based production where we're, where we know we have a live audience versus something that's pre-recorded, um, we, we have a similar approach in both, but they certainly run through production differently. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the output tends to still end up in Unity or a game engine like Unreal and, and work with final interactivity in there. So when we start with a production, you know, initially we're concepting and trying to figure out if it's our story and something that we're building from our own passion, you know, what type of a story. Let's take Finding Pandora X as an example. Um, this was a live production that we did fully in virtual reality, where the audience came in as participants and players within the narrative as members of the Greek chorus, we gave them a role and we thought about what kind of a journey we wanted to give them, how we wanted to create a branching narrative with escape rooms and embedded in those escape rooms were puzzle games. And this is going back to 2019. So it was an interesting time for us. It was a response to the pandemic. We wanted to build on the theme of hope. Um, we weren't planning on releasing a new production that year because we had been, we just premiered uh, Love Seat and Run In. So we'd had a lot of productions um, between 2018 and 2019, and we thought we'd kind of go into a creative mode. Um, but as the uh, pandemic hit coming into 2020, we decided we needed to release something and, um, and, and bring hope out into the world and sort of take some of our core values on social connection and participation and interactivity and find a way to create a world where we could open up to an audience so that they could share a social experience and uh, hopefully find and connect to the theme of hope. Mm, yeah, that sounds a very interesting how people actually in live productions, which is, is this is something a little bit new for many, can also now instead of having the passive role as traditional theater, for example, participate actively in a production when it's being uh, delivered, right? That That yeah. is like how it works. What are the challenges of that? What are the challenges, the technicalities, etc.? Anything that you want to comment on when people is participating? How do you control at what, at what point do you control or how does it work? 
Sure. I mean, there are things that we're able to sort of define and create some boundaries. We might, for example, even just decide, well, we don't want the audience to fall off the edge of the world. So we have to create something for them. Um, but we do want the audience to fly at the end of the show. So how do we sort of establish a rule and then break that rule? And how do we teach the audience what's possible? So we mm-hmm. enable the audience in a lot of our productions to use their voices to contribute at points. And we try to establish points in the narrative. And this really falls under what Alyssa does, um, whether she's writing the script herself or she's working with a writer's room about where the audience journey is and how they are going to use their voice in different points. So there's different sort of, you know, key moments and events that happen throughout the arc of the story and the arc of the play. And for us in Finding Pandora, um, it's a Greek chorus that comes through and they have this, you know, potential to follow different characters and different storylines. They have to solve puzzles and work together. They're on a, you know, we're sort of tracking each of these journeys because it's a branching narrative. They have different timelines within to solve things. And they surprise us all the time. There's so many challenges that come within that because we are, you know, the original coding behind that to figure out how are they going to learn how to engage? How do they know that it's okay for them to um, pick up an axe and smash through a wall and get into a battle sequence? How do they know what's possible for them to do? So they're sort of testing their limits within the story. And we're trying to feed them information about when it's appropriate for them to um, break through things and push against things and when they should also step back and pay close attention to the dialogue that's happening in the story. Mm-hmm. Wow, that sounds amazing because I just can't transport myself in, in a imaginary uh, situation like this and I can see, you know, the excitement of being able to participate, which is called giving the user agency. It seems that is a passion of you to allow the passive spectators from the past to now being active, participating in stories, which I, I like to highlight that from yes. from your work. That that is key. Like, great word. We, we are big believers in agency and giving the player things that they can do, the participant things that they can do in the story. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I think that you have uh, also produced uh, recently another great work that is called Skits and Goggles. Uh, I like to know a little bit of what were the challenges in my understanding in this type of production? The Unity pipeline was not totally available for that one, maybe. So how did you create such an amazing production without a typical tool that could be for those type of uh, creations? Absolutely. Horizon is the platform that we built Skits and Giggles in. Um, this is a platform that's originally uh, created and powered by Meta. And um, our production began in a research and development experimental phase where we were testing out storytelling formats. We hadn't seen a variety show um, done before in XR overall. We wanted to bring professional actors in to train them. Um, we've been doing this over the years, going back to 2016, working with actors, training them, getting them comfortable to embody avatars and work with different types of technology. Here, of course, because we've been in a very interesting moment in history in our world, 
we couldn't work with the actors in person. So we shipped equipment to them across the country Mm -hmm. and around the world and worked with them to bring them into Horizon and get them comfortable with embodying avatars and learning how to um, feel like they could express themselves and start to kind of bring the avatars to life and make them animated. So that was one piece of our process. The other piece was working with artists and engineers to begin to learn how to script within Horizon, which like you're identifying, um, it's not the same type of pipeline as if you're working specifically in Unity. You're, you're actually scripting in a very physical way in the world. You're, you know, sort of laying out the scripts and attaching them to objects and elements inside VR. And so you're using the VR headset to build and create. And the same thing happens with all of the world building. It's not just the scripting. It's also the actual creation of all of the sets and world elements from every tree to every bench to every um, stage. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. That work is absolutely incredible. And I believe it has been uh one of the selected works for um some awards is that right yes we were just at the rain dance film festival we just had our premiere there um several weeks ago that was really exciting for us and um mm-hmm. and uh just really wonderful to get to open up the world to a live audience and have them come through um i think that's sort of the dream for the actors and our stage manager and crew is to actually be able to you know open up the world, open the doors, let the public come in and get to have a feeling of a live audience there because we build these shows for them. So we want them to engage and and have a, a lot of fun within the experience. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. So when you were um, speaking previously about uh, the work that you've been doing, you also mentioned that you brought actors from different parts of the world and then there was a training portion where they need to know how to navigate through VR, how to get comfortable. What are some of those technicalities that might be different for an actor compared to when they have to perform in VR? There's so many differences and also similarities, right? I think that um, the piece that the actor maintains is the process of how they develop a character, how they think about that character moving and using their voice, um, the way that they use their body, the rhythm in which they speak, the, their pacing and delivery, um, all of their back, you know, backstories that they might do, uh, depending on the type of actor that they are and what their training aligns with. Um, all of those pieces remain. The piece that is different, though, is the sort of like, now we're putting a piece of equipment on our head, and we're strapping controllers on our hands. Um, and we're using these things in a way it feels like a mix of puppeteering and mask work. We're sort of relying on things that we may have had a training in as actors to see how those things adapt into this technological format. But then there's this added piece that I think and I hope is always really exciting for the actors where they get to see their body come alive, come alive in a new way. You know, they're inhabiting the body of an avatar. So depending on the type of production that we have, if we have a more fantasy based production like Finding Pandora X, they might be in a very different body and height, like our Zeus character changes height throughout the show. And he goes from being a kind of normal, 
six to seven foot up to 11 feet tall. Like he just becomes huge and towers over everyone else. Whereas if we are working in Horizon, um, those avatars are based more closely to the actors that are inhabiting those roles. So they're going to, you know, we work with them to make sure that they sort of take on the um, their own facial characteristics and they feel like that's their truth. But then we're adding on elements of the costumes that those avatars are wearing. And then our artists are building additional costumes and wearables that get attached to those that further transform the characters as the arc and story progresses. Yeah, that's so fun to hear that there are these dreamy type of uh, powers or, <laughs> yeah, superpowers, uh, things that we dream of or that we like to have when we when we were kids that now it's possible to play with that, to experience with that in VR and people can participate of that. So that, that's amazing. Yeah. Do you think that currently there are or there are not enough very advanced platforms for live theater in VR? I'm curious to know if, if I, you feel that there is something lacking or do you feel everything is there? Good, good. I think that we don't have a current platform that feels like it is the place for live theater. Like we don't have Broadway in VR right now, but we have places where we can seek out within all of the different social VR worlds that are doing live concerts and doing live improv and also places where we might start to discover live theater productions. We're seeing a lot of that happening on the VR chat platform. Um, that's where some of our work has been. Uh, we've created work across a number of different platforms from Altspace to VR chat, High Fidelity, who we also did a lot of R&D with. Um, we really enjoyed working with that platform for a long time and now Horizon Worlds. So for us, we're kind of stepping in and translating our work across different platforms or developing very specific works, depending on each of the platform's incredible advantages um, and possibilities. And I think that you're finding a growing format right now and an interest with a lot of theater creators and actors that are starting to sort of pilot their own work and, um, you know, bring and find new friends that also want to create with them. Uh, and that community has been, you know, pretty amazing to see it just grow and flourish. Mm -hmm. That's, that's awesome. Where do you see it going? Where do you see these, the destiny or the, or the, or the future of life production in the theater in VR going, VR or any other format going? What's, what's your uh, thinking about that? I think it's going to continue to grow in social VR and we're going to find different styles and different artists making works on different platforms. I think some artists are going to gravitate more to VR chat. Some are going to gravitate more to a rec room, you know, and these, these worlds come with different styles and different um, inherent native interactions that are built into them. So everything changes when you're in each of those platforms. The production will always feel new. Even if you took the same production and you did it across those different platforms, it's going to feel quite different. Your relationship to the experience will feel different as well as all of the people that you're interacting with and the actors. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see that feeding in across many of the platforms. I'm excited about that, that the live performance is growing so much that 
Mm-hmm. Breakdance had so many of these productions in the past year that they actually made a category for it. I think that that's really a wonderful thing to see because it felt like we were very alone mm-hmm. back in 2015, 2016, as we were, you know, there weren't a lot of people doing this and, and, um, there weren't a lot of people to even talk to about it. Um, just to, just to get excited and get, you know, curious, like, would you want to put a headset on and try this? Mm-hmm. And I think we're also seeing the ecosystem of headsets growing and more different types of headsets. You know, there's different, um, different uh, ways to access VR. And then the great thing too about some of these platforms is their accessibility in a desktop mode, which means you don't necessarily have to have a VR headset. So that also increases the audience that comes into these things because they're not necessarily coming from a love of seeing theater. They might be coming from a love of games, but they're finding their way into these live theater productions because they're just excited to see something new and play along with their friends. So that's been really, um, really delightful. It's a kind of mix of audiences that's happening. I think and predict that we'll also see a lot more AR getting worked into live productions. Um, and that's an area that we uh, have been working in as well over the years. We're not as um, vocal, I think, about some of those pieces because they've been a part of other productions. We worked with Bose AR and our Love Seat production, um, and we had done our very original Cardboard City um, experience that we had at Lincoln Center was a 20-minute nonlinear AR documentary. So we definitely have a an interest in that and working with that with live performers. And, and we're already seeing that um, expand, I think, across the industry as well. Yeah, that's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, to see obviously the the expected change and, and as the, the devices allow for more accessibility and people start to be more familiar with them, that might even be um, even more more exciting for for more people to start understanding and uh, getting at the advantage of participating live in these shows as well. Yes, That's so for for the audience as well, creating projects like this that might not necessarily be live theater in VR, but projects that can be showcased. What would be your recommendation or maybe from your own experience on how do you bring your projects to festivals and contests? Because I believe that is maybe a little bit of an important part at some point, which is to have this kind of proof that uh, it's uh, it's uh, a project or work that it's being, um, you know, rated or that it's being vetted by experts that it's a good a good project. So what would be your recommendation or your take on that? Well, first, I think it's interesting to look at, as you're pointing out, Diana, about the festivals even recognizing these works. <laughs> as we're working in XR, we are looking for ways to reach our audiences. We need distribution. These are things that people have been experimenting with different ways to reach audiences, especially if we're talking about a live audience, a festival is a great place for that because they're gathering people with all that excitement in that location and time period. So it's been wonderful. And I think just sort of a nod to all of the festivals that have been so great at um, making a place for these types of experiences because they don't fit in a perfect box. So a festival like the Venice Film Festival and South by Southwest and Tribeca and Sundance, you know, making 
places and rain dance, of course, where we just were with skits and giggles, making these sort of categories and programs and creating space at the venues in order for an audience to experience and get to know what can even happen in any of these live experiences or recorded experiences. Like they are making a place for us to reach and interact with them. Um, and for that vetting process, I think what's been interesting to see is that the work is getting more complex, it's getting more detailed. They go through, you know, quite a process to figure out how they're going to put their lineup together and how they can balance those things. I'm sure that they're always weighing things of, you know, how much content is is uh, leaning into drama, how much content feels like it's really interesting historical documentaries. So they're looking sort of across that. And I think it's important to identify what type of experience you're making as a creator and what, how you want to reach an audience, why you're even creating the piece in the first place. So a festival could be a path. Not every festival will be the right fit. Um, and it's worth looking at, you know, let's say you go, okay, I'm really excited to, um, tell the story, um, you know, of a great, of this great protagonist. And maybe it has a really interesting historical background and it's got a horror element, but I think it's more drama. So you sort of figure out what categories and genres that hits, how you might pitch and describe that. You think about your log line very carefully. And then to look at prior productions that have been at festivals and try to see Who's been interested in that kind of work? Does, does their festival have an audience for that? How many types of works have they programmed like that? Because they're going to be trying to figure out if it's right for their audience. Um, and it's good for you also to be thinking about how you want to connect with an audience within a festival. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. that that's pretty helpful. Yeah. Of course. And uh, bringing the work to more people. That is what artists and creators want to do. They, finding ways to to get to get more people to participate in the work yes thank you and we all want to connect with people right so it's yeah. it's that moment of how do we how do we find that way to reach across mm -hmm. the divide especially as things are becoming more and more remote how do we kind of reach across that virtual distance out to each other yeah one day I was having a conversation with one creator that I know of a platform for actually for uh, live performances in VR. And he was uh, telling me uh, a comment of how sometimes people at the beginning don't, might not know why this type of live VR entertainment could be interesting. Because people might say, but why when I go or, or I participate in a normal theatrical traditional format that I go to the actual physical building and I, I get to, to, to oh, see or, um, um, yeah, enjoy the, the performance. Why would we need VR in order for, for us if we can still have those type of experiences? What would you say to that? It's, it just comes from maybe that we sometimes don't understand the, 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 you know, the advantages or the impact of that. Could you please expand a little bit on that, please? Sure. I think in, in any form of entertainment, why do we choose to, uh, put Netflix on? Why do we choose Netflix over Hulu, uh, or vice versa, Hulu over Netflix? Why do we choose to listen to, um, a podcast? Why do we choose to buy a ticket and physically go to attend a live concert? 
there's so many places where we can concentrate our attention. And I think it's about the feeling and experience that we want to have. And what we can do in VR is very different than what we can do in the physical world. Um, VR to me will never replace the physical world, but it can give us, as you even called out earlier on, superpowers. We could transform our bodies and height in a matter of moments, you know, within a few seconds. We could teleport across a space or we could fly. And none of these things will physically hurt us, but they will make us feel emotionally very um, expansive and excited and thrilled. So I think to give someone that experience and to have that, these are the reasons that we might seek them out, you know, to have different types of um, mind expanding and, and heart fulfilling experiences in our lives. And to me, that's just the piece about being human. Yeah, for sure. And also for me, because I have my family, I, I always say one of the most important reasons for me to start using the technology is this feeling of being able to communicate in another media remotely. Like, for example, being able to attend interesting shows without having to move from my own place. For me, that is exciting. And yeah. actors, for example, being able to still express their uh, craft, their feelings, etc., through the role of a character that they might love. And they, maybe because of the pandemic, they couldn't travel, but they were able to do it because of this. So that's another one that is super great. Yes. Absolutely. Right. You don't have to go, um, if, especially if you're in a cold climate right now, you don't have to go bundle up and put on a warm coat and figure out <laughs> how long you have to take the subway to get to the destination and wait in a line. All mm -hmm. of those things are eliminated. You have to charge your device. There's still some mm -hmm. preparation, right? This isn't two seconds. It's not totally seamless yet, but it's worth it. And you can stay in, in the comfort of your own home and be cozy. So I think all of those things add to the possibilities of why it's so exciting to have live theater come into your home, come to you. And the same for our performers, the same, you know, it, it, it feels reciprocal in that um, they also don't have to travel to get to a destination. The other piece that's been really wonderful for us to see with our audiences is how international they are. We can run a show and have an audience coming in from Italy and Japan mm -hmm. and New York city all in the same performance and those people get to interact with each other in a different way especially because our work is participatory so that's just been that's just been you know transformative i think okay. for us and also i hope for the entire xr industry oh yeah that part is absolutely on point thank you so much it must be amazing to see people yeah joining from japan from different cultures in one place to enjoy the expression of art and um, yes <laughs> that's amazing thank it's you wonderful. one of my last questions and probably one a very difficult one for you is <laughs> what's your favorite creation so far and why oh goodness favorite <laughs> <creation>. <laughs> yeah. mm, because great. all of them are are amazing so that's why i thought it might be great question i think if I were to select two moments, I think, um, in our production of Finding Pandora X, there's a moment where our character Zeus loses something very important to him. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a pretty magical moment that happens there that I think 
um, surprises our audience. And then I'm also flying. So I have to pull two moments, two favorite moments from that show, the ability to teach our audience to fly at the mm-hmm. end, so they can fly around Mount Olympus and fly up to the moon. Um, I think that's all really special and was really important during the pandemic when everyone felt um, uncertain, a lot of uncertainty and afraid and um, cooped up, perhaps trapped. And so to sort of give people exhilaration and freedom uh, felt really special. So those are two moments from that show. And then in Skits and Giggles, uh, we have a, a can-can musical number that is pretty magical um, that happens in the show. And that is just full of joy. And uh, and I think it's really playful and our audience gets to dance along. And I just think it's it's very silly. Uh, and, and all of these things for me are sort of harnessing the potential of our imaginations in VR and um, just, you know, bringing people together in a shared space and shared reality. (laughs) Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's pretty inspiring, by the way. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So what, um, if somebody or somebody says, yeah, maybe interested, not only to attending your shows, but maybe want some sort of support with their own, uh, creations or creating a show like that, how they can get a hold of you? Do you have um, a website or a place where you prefer them to contact you? The website's the best place. It's got samples of our work. So that's a good place if they're looking for materials to take a look at or figure out what kind of platform they might want to start to experiment with. All of these different social VR platforms, I think, are really exciting just to even start to experience without even creating right away, just to get to explore and meet up with your friends in VR, I think is really incredible and powerful. Um, And then certain platforms like Horizon gives us the ability to actually create and do world building and you don't have to have a prior background in 3D modeling. You can just start to build in there. They have incredible tutorials. So all of those are great things to try out um, and you can take a look at our work from there and and reach out to us in that way. Uh, So that's our website, which is double I dot CO. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kira. Is there anything else that you wish I had asked you today? I think you've covered great ground, Diana, because what's important to remember is that we are coming from different backgrounds with different passions and different expertises, and all of those skills translate in different ways. And I think that what we can continue to build and materialize in the metaverse together are better possibilities, better ethics, better ways to experience things, better ways to have more diverse voices heard. So I think that we can, you know, continue to build a kind of better, a better world that might uh, then also have some physical applications. Maybe we get to see those things that we test out in XR also have a way of coming to life in our own physical realities as well. Yeah, I, I truly believe that the technology can help us as a tool to maybe learn remotely stuff that maybe we cannot do when we are uh, in another place or something like that or for particular circumstances and have this type of entertainment, have a little bit of joy in those moments, discover new things, having make social impact as well, which is uh, other of the applications. And at the same time, we might be able to enjoy, continue enjoying our humanity, like the real world. So it's uh, this is the best use of the technology, I think. So thank you for bringing that up. Yes. Really? 
Yes. Thank you so much. And we're super excited and we're inviting anybody to join uh, Kira and also Double Studios. And uh, please uh, let us know if you have further questions to ask her or to ask her directly. So that has been an interesting conversation and we're super excited. This is the first time that we are having such an amazing background and insight, particularly in live theater in VR. So thank you so much for sharing all your kindness and your experience with us, Kira. Thank you, Diana, for having me. And I can't wait to see as people begin to explore and enter the metaverse and for those already on their path to learn new things and join us and find us in some of these wonderful worlds in social VR. Amazing. Thank you so much and see you in the next episode. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you.